For over 40 years, Ermi has been an industry leader in educating and informing insurance and risk management professionals. This podcast explores current subjects in the insurance industry. Find out more about our podcast at ermi.com. Good morning. I'm Joel Appbaum. I'm the Chief Content Officer, and I'm pleased to have Miss Karen Ross as our guest on this podcast live from the Ermi Agricon in Sacramento. Karen Ross is appointed Secretary of the California Department of Food and Agriculture on January 9th in 2019 by Governor Gavin Newsom. In, in reappointing Secretary Ross, Governor Newsom cited her unmatched leadership experience in agricultural issues nationally, internationally, and in California in areas including environmental stewardship, climate change adaption, and trade. Secretary Ross was originally appointed in 2011 by Governor Brown. Welcome, Karen. Thank you for having me. This is fun. You just did a fantastic keynote address welcoming all of our AgriCon attendees in the insurance industry, and I think it was very well received. And I'd like to cover a few of the highlights of some of the things that you covered during that. But first, can you just tell us a little bit about your background and how you got here and why you're passionate about it? Uh, the winding road. Yeah, I grew up on a farm in western Nebraska. Um, and so I was a 4-H kid, did all that farming and told my dad I was never going to be in agriculture. But it's when you leave something that you really know, it just left like this gap in my heart. And so I, I always been an ad policy. It just happened that I found this really great connection because I understand how policy impacts the operations of business and we can make good policies or bad policies. And so that was really the nexus for me. And I've just been so fortunate to have the experiences that I've had. So when we moved to California, I represented farmer-owned cooperatives in the legislature. I was president of California Wine Grape Growers was had the great honor of being appointed a presidential appointee to be chief of staff to then Secretary Vilsack at the United States Department of Agriculture and was so grateful and honored when Jerry Brown as governor um, appointed me then and to have Gavin Newsom reappoint me is like, this farm girl is pretty happy. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. So, you know, in your keynote address, mm -hmm. one of the questions that came from our mm -hmm. insurance industry is, uh, related to dairy digesters, yes. right? So the, the question was mm -hmm. kind of a tough one. Hey, we're getting reclassified as energy risks. This is a lot different than what we're used to and really what our primary function is. Tell me about why dairy digesting is important, what it is, yeah. and uh, what what are the key issues facing farmers today? Sure. Oh, well, that'll take a long time. Lots of, <laughs> lots of issues. Um, our dairy families have really stepped into this journey of sustainability and helped lead the way on adopting new manure management practices. And so the one that has been making the most sense and is really helping us reduce our greenhouse gas emissions, but improving air quality and everything else is the use of biodigesters. It's an anaerobic digestion type of process, but it captures methane, which is a short-lived climate pollutant. And we want to reduce that methane by 40% over the next few years. So we've had digesters in the state, but the new technology is so efficient. It's pretty, these are pretty technical engineering projects. Most of the farm families are partnering with developers 
who then they they can still do what they want to do, take care of cows, milk cows, market milk. And the developers coming in and standing up that operation, marketing it. We have dairy digesters that historically have been used for renewable electricity generation, but we have a whole new chapter on this where they're actually producing renewable natural gas. Some are, are connecting directly to a pipeline that a utility has in proximity, or some of our large-scale projects, they're very complex projects, and the Southern San Joaquin, where there'll be a number of digesters on farms that are feeding into one larger digester, and that's going into the pipeline. And then with the low-carbon fuel standard, these can be part of our transportation fuel solutions as well. So it is, it's a new business model. For most of them, they prefer to have a business arrangement with a developer, and then they're like leasing it, getting some of the income from that, and they don't have to be the engineer to operate a utility. <laughs> awesome. So at, at this conference, we've been talking about agritainment, but mm-hmm. this is a whole new exposure for the family farm, and we want to make sure that we have the proper insurance coverages to address it. So Absolutely. That's, uh, thank you for bringing that to our attention. Uh-huh. You also talked today about the Food Safety Modernization Act. Yes. And... I guess I was impressed with your passion about why this is so important, right? These are products and people's lives are at stake. Mm -hmm. So can you just tell us a little bit about why this act is so important and what you're doing specifically and what the farming community needs to do uh, to make sure we protect and save lives of our customers and continue to uh, maintain a safe food for our Consumers. Sure. So this is this is a challenging one. Um, the Food Safety Modernization Act was actually passed almost 14 years ago. So it took about a decade just to write the regulations and not all of the regulations for each one of the chapters of this law um, are completed yet. Those are done by the Food and Drug Administration. Um, and it's been a learning process. Uh, I, I want to put things in context. Um, one person getting ill is too many. And when we see the impact of, of uh, foodborne illnesses that can even lead to death, we all, we all feel a very heavy responsibility of, of trying to avoid that as much as possible. Our food safety system had been really about responding to the illnesses after they happen. The Food Safety Modernization Act was a significant change to preventing illnesses on farms. You know how many farms we have across the country of all different scales, all different farming practices. Um, So it's a huge undertaking to do that paradigm shift to how do I prevent? And a lot of that prevention is understanding where the risks are in the system and your part in that system and what you can do to manage or mitigate the risk of that becoming the thing that could cause illness. So we are the boots on the ground for the Food and Drug Administration. California, because we grow over, over half of the fruits, vegetables, tree nuts this country enjoys. I like to tell people, if you have a salad today, 50% chance those ingredients came from California. So we have the most covered farms under the produce rule. We have 20,000 farms for inspections and audits and compliance issues. Um, we have an outstanding industry that created the Leafy Green Marketing Act. Uh, over 15 years ago has an outstanding record. But now with how rapidly people are connected and know about an incident that happened in 
China today will all know about it within minutes, literally minutes. So it's very important that we're doing the best that we can. We now have to take a 360 degree look around our farm where the produce is being grown and identify where there's any potential contamination issues that could happen. Could be through water, could be through soil amendments, could be by better understanding adjacent land uses. So we're managing for that. We have to do that. We also have to increase the speed with which we can do tracebacks because it takes so long for us oftentimes to report illness to then trace it back to its source and then do the genome sequencing to understand what the actual cause was so we can work on preventing it. Those are two really important areas that we're working on. Um, it's a substantial change. Um, and I have to say farmers are rising up to the challenge, but these are complex issues in the last two years of what's happened in leafy greens. It's just really causing us to tear everything apart to make sure we haven't overlooked something. Sure. I know as an underwriter in my past, I actually canceled the program just over listeria. So mm -hmm. it, it, there's, there, are, <laughs> there are many challenges. And I, I, I think there's no better um, idea than, you know, industry like insurance and farming to work yeah. with, with government to make sure that our people are safe yes. and can enjoy the wonderful products that are produced here, yes. which is over 400 different commodities. We have a lot of different commodities. <laughs> We're very lucky on what we can do on our farms. <laughs> which is awesome. Talk to me just a little bit about trade impacts, right? Yes. There's a lot of that in the news. And just give me kind of your 4,000 foot take on it. Yeah. So um, it's been a, a tough very challenging last couple of years. Uh, the first year in particular because of the timing and it came when it was like major harvest for a lot of our specialty crops. Um, because of our proximity being on the Pacific Rim here, uh, we can ship to the fastest growing markets in the world. And for our specialty crops, fast growing middle income populations are our key markets. So obviously China and Southeast Asia are critically important to us. Um, when, when some of the retaliatory tariffs went into place and people were re-examining everything that was already landing on their docks and saying, we won't take it, um, a lot of disruption backed up a lot of freshly harvested perishable goods into our domestic markets. So everybody's prices took a big dip. Um, we had Mexico is a very important market for our dairy sector. And when those tariffs went into effect to keep their shelf space, many of our producers here um, paid that difference so they wouldn't lose that shelf space. Uh, when you lose a market, it takes a long time to build it back. If you're producing a commodity that's produced in many other countries, the, the country you're exporting to will find out, oh, there's other players in this field. Uh, but then when those countries like Brazil or Argentina were shipping some of their products into the Chinese market, it created other places for our crops to go, but at lower prices. So uh, we estimate there were price changes, you know, up to 20% impact. But overall, we still exported about 20% of our crops um, into the export markets. And part of that's because we grow things that aren't easily grown in other places. Almonds and pistachios are just two of those kinds of crops. Uh, wine took a big hit. A lot of people don't realize California as a state is the world's fourth largest wine producer. So when, when you have some territory where you dominate, you are a better place than if you're a commodity that can be grown in many other places. 
it'll take a while to build these markets back, but everyone's working on diversifying their export portfolio so we're not so overly dependent on one or two places. Great. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your time today and your attendance here at, at our conference. You've made it an excellent conference, a great start. There are going to be two more AgriCons this year, wow. and you can come to ermy.com to find out about those and also sign up for our newsletter, which is free, specifically di- designed for the agricultural industry. So come to ermy.com. And thanks to our sponsor, Nationwide, for making this as a grand sponsor, making this conference um, able to happen. So thank you again. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening. Go to ermy.com for more information and be sure to subscribe there to Ermy Podcast for more talks like this and to be notified when a new episode is released.